Hello and welcome to another episode of Break the Cycle. Me, your host, Joshua Smith. Hope everyone is having a wonderful Thursday night. I know it has been a while since we've had a show. Uh, things just keep happening, man. Um, you know, we, we we had some family issues we had to take care of, and then I got sick again, uh, which is really cool. The weather dropped about 35 degrees in one day here and uh, gave me a sinus infection because that's I'm just prone to sinus infections. I've been getting them my whole life. Uh, so that sucked, um, and I'm still kind of just – really starting to get better. So it's been a couple of bad days. I've had to reschedule several shows, uh, including with my guest tonight. I think I've had to reschedule once or twice. Uh, rescheduled twice with Top Lobster now, who will be making his return on Monday. Uh, of course, we have a show tomorrow for you, too. We'll talk about that at the end of the show. It's going to be a really, really cool show tomorrow night, too. Uh, but tonight, we got a great show. Let me get my coffee on. Uh, but let's talk about some sponsors. Of course, we have TopLobster.com, the man, the myth, the legend, my good friend and partner on Break the Cycle, where you can get this great Epstein didn't kill himself bright purple hoodie that I'm wearing tonight uh, at a 10% discount by using BTC at checkout, or you can join the Patreon subscribe star or become a member of the YouTube channel here under all my videos uh, by hitting join where you can get into a private discord server and uh, get all of top Lobster's new gear up to uh, uh, two weeks before it goes out to the general public at like a 30% discount. So really it's, it's awesome stuff. Jeff, definitely check it out uh, and check out top Lobster Cause he's doing a lot of great work in the movement. And of course, executive producers of the show, anthemplanning.com for all your emergency and crisis planning needs, check them out today. See what they can do for your business home or personal life. They are doing a wonderful job that the government has historically sucked at much cheaper and much more efficiently for your business. So like, dude, seriously, if you own a business, if you're thinking about starting a business, if you got family members and friends that own a business, send them to Anthem Planning. I'm telling you, uh, they're going to save you a ton of headaches and time and money. Um, they're really, really great. Great people. Uh, Amy's been on the show several times, the owner. They're amazing. And, of course, I have uh, viewers that are actually working with them now. So I appreciate you guys. Thank you for doing that because uh, uh, I'm sure they're they're going to be very happy uh, business owners. Guys, we've got a great show for you tonight. I'm very excited. Like I said, I've had to reschedule it at least once. Uh, I felt bad because um, the gentleman tonight reached out to me uh, several months ago about wanting to run for office as a libertarian in New York. And so anytime I hear uh, New York, you know, I immediately cringe. That's my first, uh, that is always my first reaction is cringe because, you know, it's New York and New York City is uh, rough for, for liberty and freedom. Uh, but anytime someone wants to run there, I get excited because, you know, uh, my mentor in politics, uh, Larry Sharp, came from New York. And I know there's good people that want uh, good things in New York. And I know there's still some people that are there fighting. So uh, my guest tonight is a uh, he's a, a public defender uh, in, in, I think, the Bronx. It's, it's the Bronx, right? And, uh, and he is running for uh, Congress in New York District 14 against the uh, mad woman AOC's Mr. Jonathan House. Sir, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty well. How are you? All right. Well, is that, it's the Bronx, right? It's in the Bronx. Yeah, I'm in uh, Bronx County Family Court. So I actually defend. I don't do criminal defense. I defend 
parents who are ab- accused of abuse and neglect and have their kids taken away. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, I know how that goes, man. I, I know people who have been falsely accused of all kinds of shit and had to deal with that. Man, it sucks. And there's also a lot of shit heels out there too, who are not oh, great parents. Right. So the, the 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 crazy part is you don't have any rights in family court, right? right? And in criminal court, you have a right not to incriminate yourself. You know, you have a right to you know a speedy trial. All that all that goes out the window in family court. So I'm actually in court litigating every day, uh, which is a lot of fun. Uh, you know, all my criminal court colleagues, you know, they they might get a trial you know, maybe twice a year. Sure. I did, I did two trials today. Uh, <laughs> so it's been a uh, it's been a fun three years doing this uh, family defense stuff in the Bronx. Yeah, it's pretty wild. I mean, when you really think about how many how many cases go through the courts and how many actually go to trial, it's like it's like a big it's a big deal because you know the, the 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 state's always trying to get a plea plea bargain, right? Like mm-hmm. it's almost always. Yeah. So I, I think it, I think it's well above ninety five percent. I could insane. be wrong about that, but I I did a how long I was I did criminal court internships for maybe a year and a half total during law school and I saw two trials and and they they were like, we want to get you involved in like a case that's actually going to go to trial. So they would pick cases for me to follow to go to trial. And even in that, in three years, I saw two trials, man, it's wild. So, well, let's start with the obvious here. So you're running for Congress against, uh, the beloved socialist doll, um, who, who every socialist in the country absolutely adores and, and thinks is the greatest thing since sliced bread. Obviously, as a libertarian, we have a lot of problems uh, with her policy uh, proposals, especially. But I mean, just pretty much everything she does rubs me the wrong way. Uh, but w- you're running as a libertarian. OK, and we know, um, uh, you know, as somebody who sits on the Libertarian National Committee. I, I know that it's very, very it's you know, it's really a shot in the dark trying to run a federal election, period. Mm-hmm. Um it goes even further than that when you're running it out of New York, right? So, so let's start with the obvious question: Why the Libertarian Party, and uh, and and just go from there. Well, why the Libertarian Party? Because I'm a Libertarian, and that's <laughs> the party that I'm in. Uh, I got into Libertarian politics through Ron Paul in '08, uh, and then in 2012, and then I I wanted to join the party, and I kind of found a bunch of people who didn't really like Ron Paul. Uh, so I never ended up joining the party, but then, as you just mentioned, Larry Sharp came on uh, and kind of changed everything. And he he got me back into being idealistic and, and to thinking that libertarians could actually contribute something. Um, but I actually see the AOC you're running against Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez as a huge opportunity because it, it's shown that the 14th congressional district is willing to try something new. Like they're really tr- willing to go all out and like get rid of a, a you know, DNC insider and put out someone who they were told would challenge the establishment. Now, she hasn't actually challenged the establishment. That's the problem. I think that if we take a libertarian approach to many of the same issues that she highlights, that we can actually get more done. And let's say I don't win. You know, that, that's actually a possibility. I can at least put those ideas into the conversation because she is a very high-profile person, so I will probably get a little bit more coverage than... If I was running against someone one district over, um, I, I mean, just, you know, we talk about ending the war on drugs. I mean, she says she wants to do that. She hasn't actually done much about it. She hasn't fought but, for it at all. Almost at no, all. Yeah. Not, not, not at all. But, but she says that. And the people who voted for her, one of the reasons they voted for her was that. Okay, so we agree that we're on the same page. I, that should get me at least part of the vote right there. Or at least let them be open to, to giving me their vote. Uh, you know, we, we can move on from there. We, we can talk about, you know, she, she said she was, you know, anti-war. She's not really. 
Um, you know, she said that, you know, she was for the environment and we're just getting this Green New Deal, which is just a, a, a turn of government bureaucracy. It's Cal farts, bro. Cal farts. I, I made a joke about that on the on the first interview I ever did. I, I really, truly believe that the term global warming is a conspiracy theory. <laughs> not that it's not true, but that right. people took the word pollution and got rid of it. And now we're at the point where we're talking about cow farts instead of the fact that every glass of water that I drink is filled with microplastics and prescription uh, medication. Like we, we, We've gotten away from the actual issue. You know, if if global warming is real, and I believe it is to a, to a very good extent, if it is real, it is the symptom of something that we're doing to our planet. And what is on our planet is all of our property and all of our bodies. So if you are polluting the planet, you are damaging people's property. You're trespassing on their property. You're assaulting them. If you take a bullet from a gun and put it into my body by pulling the trigger, we all agree that you, you have assaulted me. Uh, but somehow if we do that by, by polluting the air and then you breathe it in, we, we've given a pass on that. And I think if we actually believe in property rights, if we actually believe in bodily autonomy, we should be the environmentalist party. I mean, if you look at what libertarians really believe, Ron Paul always tells the story, you know, you can't go over to your neighbor and just dump your sewage on his lawn. You know, he has a cause of action against you. And that somehow the, the corporate structure has completely insulated uh, corporate polluters from this. And you know, there is no fear. I, if when the BP oil spill happened, the, the, you know, South Park did an episode about it. The, the CEO came here and did an apology to her. He should be in jail. I mean, he. How much damage did he do to the economy of of the Gulf Coast? How many sure. people's lives did he ruin? And and I mean, just the shrimping the industry alone is, was yeah, just, yeah, yeah. And when you just find the company, I mean, that's why they all want us all investing in four hundred one k. So we all own some BP in our four hundred one k. They could just spread out the damage. Yeah. It's so they have us buy these publicly traded companies to to you know pad them up, and then they they make the the punishment for destroying the planet and for destroying people's property and for harming people more, more specifically, they let that get spread out. So we take all the damage and the liability is spread out and no one's ever actually held responsible. And if we actually take private property and bodily autonomy seriously, we should be talking about the environment a lot more. Sure. Well, and it's, it's funny that you bring this up because I'm from California, right? So we have this wonderful power company called PG&E, which is just absolutely horrendous to deal with. It's harder. Yeah, I'm sure. But so, so, um, last year or no, was it last year? Two years ago, they burned, they burned down. Uh, oh no, this was several years ago, three years ago or whatever. They burned down an entire city. I mean, it really, because of faulty equipment, it's proven that it was faulty equipment that wasn't being checked regularly by PG&E. Um, and so PG&E got this giant lawsuit. I mean, you know, hundreds of deaths and, and it burned paradise city it completely is gone. And it's right outside of Chico, a really great, well-known college town, uh, kind of in a beautiful place, uh, in Northern California. They burned it all down, uh, and among other places too, Santa Rosa and some oh, other yeah. places too, that got caught fire. And, uh, and, uh, so they got this giant lawsuit, you know, and, uh, the government there, they bartered with the government and, and got the government to let them increase their prices for energy to pay off the lawsuit that they got from not taking care of the energy that they were already providing. And so, it, I mean, I, I agree with you, especially when it comes to this, this corporatist mentality, right. That, uh, yeah. you know, it, these, these, these corp, these, you know, big corporations are allowed to do these things as long as they make deals with the government. It's fine. You know, yeah. and, I and mean, you, go, go ahead. ahead. No, you go. I was going to say utilities are peak corporatism. Sure. I mean, that's like the ultimate alliance between government and, and, and business. I mean, I always put on Twitter and people always laugh at me that 
you know, corporations are government entities. The only free market is the black market. Like the moment, like start a corporation, go do it. What do you have to do? You can't just say I'm selling stuff. You have to fill out a form. You have to submit it to your state, you know, whatever. You have to get a stamp and then you have to fit both. And now all of a sudden you have all these protections. So even a small business, I mean, you know, you have to do it in order to be legal. Sure. But just the corporate structure itself is not a free market because it puts one side of the deal on a different level than the other side. That the consumer is not on the same level as the vendor or the producer or or anything else like that. And so I would say anything that moves towards just removing limited liability and removing corporate protections and lifting the so-called corporate veil uh, would be huge. And sure. I think if I say that to a bunch of lefty people, they'd be like, yeah, <laughs> like, well, that sounds great. I used to believe that, Jonathan. I used to believe that as well until, co until you know, the COVID era when the now we have the left cheering on the destruction of small businesses and uh, cheering on the, the, you know, the bolstering of these giant mega corporation conglomerates. Right. And, and yeah. like 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 Amazon and, and uh, Walmart and all these, all these, you know, all these companies that weren't forced to to uh take the hit like all the small businesses yeah. and we got the left out here going yeah good job government you're killing it and it's it's just it's been really funny to watch uh this this kind of switching i've called it happen over the last couple of years you know uh we got republicans out here uh advocating for crunchy organic holistic health care which is hilarious to me that's never been a thing uh we got the 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 republicans getting um red pilled on on police brutality and 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 uh, um, uh, qualified immunity, and then we have the left, uh, you know, cheering for for essentially a corporate fascism. I mean, yeah. that's really what it is. And if and if you go all the way back to you know uh, when when the term fascism was really explained by uh, by Mussolini, uh, that's what he said. He said it's the merger of state and corporate power. That's what yeah. fascism is. And we're yeah. watching that happen on a grand scale now uh, from government edicts coming from the podium to OSHA to the businesses to enforce the dirty work of the of the government i mean essentially so look they they took the pill like they, they took the corporate pill they they got all those protections but now you have to play by the rules right now now you're subject to osha you know and and there's no option to just run a business that's separate from that like you cannot do it that's the problem with the corporate structure but i want to go back you were saying left and right I mean that's Republicans and Democrats. True. I mean, well, somewhat in, in the yeah, in the old party um, for sure. The Green Party, progressive people. But what gives me hope is when you see the, the the people who are the most extreme on each side who have actually kept to it, like who have actually kept up their beliefs. And I, you know, I would point to you know many libertarians, but I'm a big fan of Jimmy Dore. You know, True. he's come out. A he said AOC has completely betrayed us. Based lefty, um, by the way. She completely betrayed us and and he is so uh, she, i think he was her first interview was on his show and now he's like no like we completely disown her we will never have her on we will only vote for third parties ever again we'll never vote libertarian or uh you know uh drr ever again uh that that type of stuff encourages me and you know, eventually people are really scared right now right because they've been fear-mongered everybody has been fear-mongered for the past you know year and a half you know i was scared at the beginning i came back from china right when this was beginning i came back january 18th from china from three weeks there with my now wife uh and we bought masks on january 20th and so like we were afraid until about april when everyone else started freaking out and then we're like wait no this didn't really do much in china it's not going to do much here and then we kind of started to come around and yeah, but but everyone else is really afraid and like we have to come to them 
from that angle. Like we have to understand that they're very afraid. So we have to come with a hopeful message and we have to come with a freedom is the way to be safe. I just yeah. want to be clear that you have to do that. I don't have to do that. And I'm not going to do that. <laughs> we, we the campaign. The right. Campaign. You, yeah, we as a campaign because I'll, I'll tell you, I've said it on my show and I'm sure you've heard me say it on my show. The last two years took, took me from I'd like to educate you to get the fuck out of my way or else. I mean, that's really what it took me to. Well, you, you know what Hank Hill says? He says, find what your niche is that leads to rich is. So this is your niche. I mean, you know, that's what I do. That's what I do, man. I'm going to, I'm going to amp the base to, to, for mass non-compliance. I mean, that's what, you know, that's what I'm trying to do. That's what I'm going to continue to do. I think, uh, you know, especially now that we're finding out it's not going to stop at businesses with just a hundred employees that they're going to go all the way. They're going to, they're going to mandate it for all businesses. Now we have some States that are going to try to f fight back some States that are applauding it. It's like the whole thing is going to be an absolute mess, man. Well, I'll, I'll tell you this, so you can get a few thumb downs on your, uh, on your video. I am vaccinated. I waited a long time. <laughs> Rough. Uh, no, I, I, get I, don't... I got the J and J, uh, but I have not eaten in at a restaurant since September. Sure. I'm not going to play along with that shit. I'm not showing my papers. I've, I've missed dinners with my dad. I've missed dinners with people who are coming to visit from you know Los Angeles. I was like, come over, we'll, we'll make you dinner. And we ended up working it out. But like, I, I'm not going out. I live in the best neighborhood for food in the entire fucking city. I live sure. in Astoria, Queens. There's a Greek restaurant on every corner. There's a Czech restaurant across the street. And at first they're all like, yeah, don't worry about it. Come in, you can eat here. But now they've been, they've been checked and they've been fined. And they, they can't afford to do that. And, you know, I, I don't want to get them in trouble by being like, oh, just let me in. And then they get checked and they get a $10,000 fine on my behalf. Sure. Um, so luckily, the story is very, very good on street food as well. Uh, and I'm a pretty good cook and my wife is a great cook. So it works out. Yeah, man, I just made some uh, some really nice petite steaks for the family right before I came down here. I'm really good at cooking meat, man. That's what I do. You know what I mean? But uh But yeah, it's crazy. It's, it's I live in a place where they don't give a shit about any of that. Right. Like, so that's really cool. But now that employers are being forced uh, onto their employees, it's starting to bleed into where I've kind of had this sanctuary for the last two years. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, was kind of, I was kind of wondering why everyone was all of a sudden freaking out about it. I was like, I, I, I was saying this, A, back in April of last year, and then especially September of this year, when, when, they, when, when they said that 40% of black people can't go to restaurants. I mean, frame it that way. And, and there's a big, that, a big portion of that is, I mean, that, that number is in New York. I mean, that's where they're really yeah. feeling it the worst. I mean, that, that's where I am. And like, it, it's a reality. I mean, restaurant, it, people talk about gentrification. Okay. Well, how, how, how does gentrification happen? Uh, something moves out, something more expensive moves in. What's the easiest way of getting, you know, a business that's just hanging on to move out, tell them half their customers can't go eat there. Right. And if they do go eat there, you get fined. Right. Yeah, the whole thing's just a, an absolute mess. It scares the shit out of me. And now that it's creeping into my sanctuary, it's like, all right, motherfucker. You know what I mean? Like now it's 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 you know it's all I've been fighting it for two years. You know where I can, but now it's I like mean, you've been fighting it for a long time. I mean, you, you, yeah, if you're in the Libertarian Party. We we were crazy, or we were called crazy when we said this could happen. Right. Uh, you know, I remember being called crazy. I was like, what if someone who's like really out there and weird uh, wins the presidency one day, and he has the power to drone strike people like Obama? And people like, oh, don't want, you know, it will be Jeb Bush. And then, you know, Trump got in. And I was like, <laughs> come yeah, on. Yeah, now we, everybody's we, like, oh, shit. Uh, and and what it, it's always like this shift of power back and forth, back and forth yeah. anyways, right? And, and they always, people are always doing things that are going to come back and bite them in their ass. They're always applauding things that are going to come back and bite them in the ass. Republicans do it. Democrats do it. They're like, yeah, well, it's our guy, so we can give him all this power. It's like, all right, but the next time it's not going to be your guy. 
You know yep. what I mean? And they're going to use that same fucking power against you, man. That's how this, this how this shit works. It's really how it works. I mean, the, the, the shift from vaccine hesitancy from the, from the left to the right should highlight all of that. Right. I mean, again, just like, the, you know, this, this people who are always going to be hardcore on the left and the right, who we're never going to get it anyways. The fact that Democrats are now the pro vaccine party and Republicans are the anti vaccine party where, you know, 15 years ago, the RFK junior and the, and the Democrats being the anti vaccine party, it was totally switched around. Right. I, I made this analogy the other day, the, the two parties are football teams. Like you're not rooting for the new England Patriots because they're people who are from new England who are really good and play football. They're the people that the company that owns the New England Patriots happens to have hired to play for them. And currently they live and play majority in New England. Sure. The, the Libertarian Party, we, we have this advantage, which is that we've, we have this you know, set of principles that we have written down very clearly on the website. Uh, you, know, you can go to lp.org or whatever it is. Like, here's what we believe. lp.org backslash we, platform. Backslash platform. Yeah. And you can read everything they believe. And it, it's pretty clear. I mean, I know there's been some edits, but it, it's been pretty consistent throughout. And we base our our day-to-day -day policy on that, whereas the Democrats and Republicans are just, how can we maintain? How can we maintain our momentum of winning? What is popular now? We will go for that. What will scare people now? We will be against that. And you know, we need to play that up a lot more. I mean, it sounds a little boring to be like, we believe the same thing for 50 years, but when everyone is catching up to us, we should brag about it. I always tell people, you have to watch on YouTube the video of Ron Paul on the Morton Downey Jr. show. Oh, God, it's great. 1988, yeah. where Morton Downey Jr. is screaming at him and blowing smoke in his face and be like, you want to do cocaine on the White House desk? Like, you, you, you degenerate. And Ron Paul's like, no, I just don't want the war on drugs. And then Congressman Charlie Rangel calls in. And he's like, we need the military in the streets to lock up these animals yeah. dealing drugs and blah, blah, blah. And, and he's like, if we didn't have the Vietnam War, America would have been invaded by China and like all this crazy shit. And when you watch it from 1988, I was probably watching it in 2008 or nine. And I was like, wait, these are the Democrats. Like these are the Democrats saying we should have fought in Vietnam longer and saying that we should have rounded up all the drug dealers. And that's when I first realized, oh, they just switch. Yep. They just went whenever it's convenient. They just switch. That's how it works. And, it, and it's like that from, from election to election too. You know what I mean? But yeah. I, I want to talk a little bit about, I want to talk a little bit about your platform here. So, so I, I think this is a good thing that you're doing because, because look, the Republicans don't got a shot in, in Brooklyn or the Bronx. Yeah. They don't, they don't have, yeah. So the, the Republicans don't have a shot there. We know that anybody who's paying attention knows anywhere in New York city, there is no, there's no chance for a Republican to do much. I mean, maybe some city council seats here and there. I heard that uh, New York city just got some city council seats. I think they flipped four of them or something like that, which I think is pretty, yeah, that's pretty cool. You know, Republicans are starting to do something there. Um, but you, you would be uh, disappointed by uh, New York I'm, sure, I'm sure I'm sure I'm sure I would, you know, and just like and just like when I had uh, when I had my good friend Mike Rufo on the show, who's from New Jersey, uh, he, he's like he's like, we don't have Republicans and Democrats in New Jersey. We have we have communists and Democrats in New Jersey. I mean, that's really that's really what they are. And I, I'm sure it's much the same in, in most of New York. And I, I mean, you can look at policy, especially that comes out of New York City and, and know that that's exactly what it is. Um, but this is a good thing because you're a libertarian, but you're you're actually messaging uh, to, to the people of New York, uh, the things that they've shown over decades that they care about, you, you know, this environment thing, the drug war, ending the wars, these are important things to New Yorkers. And so I think that's really, really a great thing, but let's talk a little more about this environmentalist uh, policy. Um, 
you're not coming at it from a hey, I'm going to uh, tell everything. I'm going to beef up the EPA and we're you know, you're not coming at it from the same uh, uh, way that, that that AOC would be. So why don't you kind of lay that out, that policy out a little for us? Well, I, I would see the EPA and things like the Clean Air and Water Act as the problem, right. that, that they're not the solution. I mean, what they do is they give you carte blanche up to a point. And, and those points are not based on harm done. Uh, they're not based on, you know, any real science. They're probably about as scientific as our, our vaccine mandates are now. So the, the government essentially says you can put this much shit into our air and water and into our, our land, and it's okay because it's within the regulation. And we all know there's a revolving door, right? That the people who write the regulations come from the companies and then they go back to the companies and that, that's the way that it works. So why would we expect anything different? Right. People respond to incentives. So what we have to do is both allow, we, we have to allow people to make themselves whole from the damage done to them. So we, we are all damaged by, by pollution, but many of us are much more damaged than others. You know, if you live near you know, certain power plants or, or, or factories or whatnot, and the government has intentionally made it very difficult to file class action lawsuits and things like that. So yeah, I've committed to only doing two terms. I don't want to be a career politician, so I don't want to say like, here is you know my my final you know fix for all of this. But I think that anything that moves towards making it easier to sue industrial polluters uh, as a class, anything that makes it easier to to jail those people. I mean, I'm a public defender. I don't call for jailing many people, um, but but that would be one group of people that I'd be okay with. Um, anything that moves in that direction, it it gives the power and therefore the incentive to the people. And you know every individual, it gives each person the power and the incentive to stop these people from doing harm to them. And again, like I said before, people respond to incentives. We disincentivize harming people, which I think is maybe one of the few legitimate uh, roles of the government. Um, then I think there would be less harm done to people. Uh, so yeah, I, I just think that we have to really stick to our guns on private property and on bodily autonomy. And if we do that, if you extrapolate to the logical conclusion, it's that if someone is putting an industrial pollutant or any kind of pollutant into your air, water, or body, that, I mean, that that's a tort and it may well be a crime. And we have to take it with that approach. And just because it's done to a little, you know, a little bit of damage to a million people instead of a lot of damage to one person, th that doesn't mean that they should be able to do it. And because now everyone's doing it. And, and that's why, you know, again, this glass of water on my desk right here is filled with microplastic and, and filled with prescription medication and God knows what else. Yeah. We, we don't drink the tap water anymore, man. We stopped doing that a long time ago. Had to give it up, dude. Got into a fluoride debate on Twitter the other day. Oh yeah. Yeah. I used to go to like, I, I lived in Portland, Oregon for a long time too. Seven years. I lived either in Portland or right outside Portland, uh, Beaverton or Vancouver, Washington. And, and, uh, I mean, I used to go to like fluoride in the water rallies and, and they had like concerts and all kinds of shit, man. Cause, uh, bull run water in, in, uh, in, uh, right, right in that part of Oregon where Portland is, is like one of the only, uh, sources of, you know, government run water, basically utility water, uh, that is not have fluoride in it in in that area. I, think I remember that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and I'll actually tell you the reason, like, it's not because I've have any particular fascination but the thing that got me into libertarianism the thing that made me realize oh my god the government is willing to just kill you um was this book i think it won a pulitzer prize called the plutonium files 
And I read it in ninth or 10th grade for a, for a book project and it blew my mind. And it essentially said that, and this is all proven, you know, based on release documents that the government would just in the forties and fifties go around injecting people with plutonium, people they thought were going to die or prisoners or, you know, uh, people with, uh, you know, uh, intellectual disabilities, they would just inject plutonium and uranium into their bodies and see what happened. Like that was like the core of the book. Yeah. And it kind of built like other nuclear experiments we did. And the guy who like planned all of this and was like the academic to sign off on it and give his feedback on it is a guy named Harold Hodge. And you can go to his Wikipedia right now. He is the, the father of fluoridation in the United States. That was his idea too. So he came up with two ideas that he's really well known for. One, which was experimenting on human beings to try to kill them. And the other one being fluoridation of the water. So I'm just wondering if there might be a little more overlap than I than it seems on the surface. Listen, man, listen, they're all they're all eugenists, like pedophile demons, all of them. I hate them all, dude. You know how I roll. Uh, I, I think it's New York Magazine. If you look up a New York Magazine article from 2001 or two, it's right after Bill Clinton got out of office. And it's a, you just Google it, Jeffrey Epstein, mystery money man. And and they just talk. It's they're interviewing him. It's one of his few interviews. Yeah, <laughs> that's what made me think of it. Uh, and he's like, oh yeah, I collect people like animals. And Bill Clinton is like a beautiful giraffe. And like he's there with uh, Kevin Spacey and all of this. And I, you know, I'm reading this in 2018, but I'm just how could we not have seen that? Like who who could read what this guy was saying in the interview? And not plenty like, of people. Plenty of people mm, knew it. Plenty of people knew it. That's the thing. You know, CNN had this all this all this shit. Uh, several years ago, and uh, and the you know the owner of CNN was like, we're not putting that out, and and in fact, I, I think there's like um, I think there's some off air uh, recording of one of their oh, anchors, yeah, yeah. yeah talking it's, about it. It's great. Yeah, she's like, I had all this, and like they spiked it because we couldn't talk to the uh, to the palace. They wouldn't right. let them get interviews with the uh, you know the prince and the princess. So they, Shocking. Like, oh well, we'll drop it. But I I always found it funny that. I mean, I must be smarter than Bill Gates because I knew about Jeffrey Epstein being a pedophile before he did. Like, right. I would have known not to hang out with him when he was hanging out with him. So, yeah, there's so many people that ha- are on those flight logs, man. Yeah, it's just like I, I love wow. how Bill Clinton was like, "Oh, we did four trips," and it's like, "Yeah, but how many how many flights is four trips?" And it's like, oh, 27. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that seems a little that seems a little bizarre to me. You know, I, I you know, uh, the third world countries that are known for trafficking and like. Yeah areas of you know uh you know yeah i took i had 40 round trip flights uh in the last five years over 40 now um and uh and i can tell you that that you know max is 80 80 trips dude you know what i mean like like or 80 80 80 flights i mean that's really what it was you know but yeah i ran for chair twice and i went to i went to 40 states almost 40 i think it was 30 39 states 38 states uh, and then, of course, the trip to Disney World and a couple other trips here and there, back and forth between Iowa and and whatnot. So, yeah, dude, over forty round trip flights in the last four and a half years, something like that. I mean, that's probably me over the last decade and a half. It <laughs> was a lot, dude. Be there. Although that trip, that flight to China was really long. Yeah, that's uh, a long ass that. flight, dude. You gotta you gotta go uh, exactly all the way south through the world for to get there, man. I mean, that's no, we went know, north. We went over the. That's what I said. Uh, no. Oh, I thought you said south. Oh, south down <laughs> in the world. Yeah, okay. Just yeah, saying, dude. I'm, I'm literally making a joke, man. I'm making a joke. I promise you. Uh, so, so uh, let's talk about the drug war, man. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, dude. I, man, I'm a little. I, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I'm a little stoned. Okay. Uh, He's the best of us. <laughs> uh, so, so I wanted to. Well, this is good. This is a good segue into the drug war, dude. So, uh, you know, 
the last two years have been insane for all of us, man. I mean, you know, I, I've really been f- pointed towards this COVID issue because I do see it as the, as the, uh, you know, tyranny of our time. I really do. But there's a lot of other tyrannies going on out there. Um, and you know, my, my, uh, issue du jour has always been the, the wars, the warfare state, you know, the military industrial complex. Ron Paul brought me into this movement too. So how could I not? Uh, the reason I found Ron Paul and was drawn to him was because I had just got back from war. Um, so, that's always been my my real big issue but with that those wars there's other wars and we're fighting them here at home and one of those happens to be covid but also the drug war has been going on for uh, decades and decades and decades uh we spent trillions now i believe on the drug war um and to no avail in fact drugs are winning more people are dying from drugs today than were at the start of the uh drug war but um i mean what's your take on the drug war you know obviously you work you work in law, in law. Uh, so I know you've studied the constitution. Uh, you, you had to, I'm sure. Um, and, uh, and, all, and all kinds of other legal precedents, but I mean, what, I mean, what's your, what's your layout on this and, and, uh, what, what would you hope to do to fight it? I mean, you could, you could just call the drug war a cartel subsidy. I mean, that's all it really is. Sure. And, uh, you know, unfortunately or unfortunately, not all of them are, are us based. So we're sending a lot of money, uh, out of the country. Uh, but we're also, dying like a lot of people are getting shot and killed in america in other countries because of us funding these violent groups so i say defund the cartels the way you defund the cartels is you legalize all drugs and you treat addiction like a disease and and that's really it and you know, when it comes to demilitarizing the police and defunding police like that follows after that like that comes from that it would be a reaction to it um you know if you're a cop and your job is to raid a drug lab uh, and you know that there's going to be a guy there with a gun defending the drug lab, it makes sense that you want a big gun, and it makes sense that you want a tank, and you want to be able to run over the drug lab and then arrest all the dead bodies afterwards. I mean, you want to go home to your kids, and that it, it's a reasonable human desire, and it makes total sense that we're going to have a war on our streets over drugs, that there's going to be big guns involved as the amount of money goes up. Uh, so the way that we defund the police is we end the drug war, defund the cartels, uh, and, and I mean, think about how many murders and missing people go unsolved. If we're going to have police, that's the type of stuff they should be working on. They shouldn't be lo- looking for your, your, your Second Amendment right in your car. They shouldn't be, uh, you know, looking for your weed or for your cocaine or for anything like that. They should be looking for the person who shot that person the other day. Although I highly suspect there'd be a lot fewer shootings if we did not have a cartel war going on in all of our major cities. Sure. Um, both between the cartels and between the cartels and the police and then all the innocent bystanders. Um, the other thing, I'm drinking a, a locally brewed beer, Five Burrows from uh, Brooklyn. Go figure. Five Burrows. No fear of there being any fentanyl in this beer. In fact, <laughs> I, have no, I have no fear that it is even 1.1% higher than 6.8% alcohol, which is what it says on here. Sure. I have no fear of that. Whereas anyone who is doing uh, an illicit drug should have fear that they're going to have fentanyl in, in what they're buying and that they're going to die. Right. Uh, and I have to tell clients that a lot. I have to remind them of that because it, it it's happened. I've seen it happen. Uh, I have Narcan right over here on my shelf. So on, on the rare occasion I do still go into the office, I it's a long walk from the train and you carry Narcan because that happens and, and, and you see it. Uh, but you have no fear of it in, in a legal business because if five boroughs brewing puts fentanyl in their beer, they're going to be held responsible for it. We know who bottled this. We know who canned it, rather. Um, We know who made it. 
when you're buying from a connection on the black market, you're never going to be able to trace it back. Like it, it requires a huge amount of work to trace something like that back if, if it's possible. Um, and, you know, it, it's kind of the same idea with uh, industrial pollution, like the people doing the harm, the people who are defrauding you by putting a, a much more dangerous drug into what you're purchasing uh, are not held responsible for defrauding you and causing extreme damage, which is often you dying. Right. Yeah, absolutely, man. I, I can't disagree with you. Uh, Level Zero, thanks for the $5 Super Chat, man. He said, he's glad he doesn't live in New York, but I'd vote for this guy. Does he see recent events as a political sea change, maybe even in New York? Yeah. I mean, is there, I mean, do you see any kind of political change going on during these these COVID times there? Yeah. I mean, there are people who I'd hoped would be uh, a little more vocally against this who have not been, uh, but there's a lot of people who I never expected. Um to be against this, who have been very vocally against it. I think there's a lot of people who never would have woken up uh, to how dangerous uh, the government in general is until this happened. And a lot of them, you know, this kind of reflects with the, uh, the result from the election, uh, are people with kids in school. Uh, Hi, kids. Do you like violence? Yeah. Are you sick to death of pussyfooting around the truth while being constantly fed lies by news and big tech tyrants? If so, then come join me, Dan Smots, on The System Is Down, where we get weird, have fun, and dig into all the dangerous taboo topics like conspiracies, politics, religion, culture, current events, and everything your family just prays you don't bring up around the Thanksgiving dinner table. And I know that reality is scary to some people, so if you're easily offended, just ignore this and go back to making cat memes or whatever. But if you're ready to change the world for the better, come join me on The System Is Down at tsidpod.com or wherever you get podcasts. That's T-S-I-D-P-O-D. Dot com because the system is down and truth is taking over. Uh, who live in New York and have a one-bedroom apartment uh, or a two-bedroom apartment with three kids and all of a sudden they're stuck home with them and they're like, wait, this is total bullshit. Why are we still doing this? My kids are totally safe. You know, th- th- there's very, very, very little chance they're going to be harmed from COVID. Why can't they go to school? Uh, yeah, why, why can't I go back to work? Uh, there's been a lot of that and, and I find that encouraging. Uh, I've always been discouraged by election results, right? I, I've never voted for someone who has ever won an election, ever. Uh, I'm kind of proud of that, although I do want to vote for myself and I do want to win. Um, so I'm hoping that will end uh, in just about a year and four days. Uh, but but it's never happened. Uh, I kind of forgot where I was going with that, but it remains true. Oh, that, yeah, no, absolutely. No, well, here's the thing. So, so check this out. So... Uh... One of your platform points that's obviously near and dear to me and, and is going to be near and dear to a lot of my viewers is that you, you're anti-war. You are an anti-war guy. You're yeah. Ron Paul. You're Ron Paul libertarian. Uh, so obviously that's going to be a core tenant of everything that you do. I appreciate it. A lot of people are going to appreciate it. But, um, you know, I, I had talked – I had thrown around uh, uh, the idea of running for Congress here in Iowa um, uh, against Cindy Axney, who's our only Democratic uh, congressional person or congressperson uh, in Iowa uh, of the four that they have. And um, I threw around the, the idea of running, and I when I put it out on Twitter, I, I had made a, a pledge that every uh, legislative season I would put forth at least one bill – to uh, withdraw all of our troops from foreign uh, interventions and start closing military bases. That was going to be, you know, my whole thing. That's what I was going to run for. I mean, do can we have a pledge from you about uh, going? Yeah, into- I'll do it once a month. I mean, I, 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 that, that's, that, that seems like a no-brainer to me. Um, Pork again, free. I, that, 
I, I yeah no I, I made a joke the other day i was like anyone who can find the uh the two typos on the uh the first palm cards i made to hand out to people will get 100 million dollars of pork barrel spending in my first bill uh but then i had to you know caveat that for the federal election committee and say it was a joke um but yeah no it'd be pork free i absolutely bring them all home the military budget should be like a very small fraction of what it is now and we would be perfectly safe the, this whole this is why they're bringing up the UFOs, man. I am I am so fully convinced of this. I could do a full show on it. But this is why they're bringing up the, oh, oh the UFOs. They have this power. They can shut down our nukes. Like, what if we can't rely on our nukes? Because they need us to have a military presence everywhere to keep up the military-industrial complex. There's no one to be scared of anymore. Uh, no one is scarier than us. So we had to invent something. But, bro, because- but bro, Space Force, bro. Space yeah, Force. No, I mean, look, it, it's a whole new revenue generator for a whole new set of companies. Uh, you know, God, God bless them. They got Trump to do that. And they and they made, even made them look a little bit like Star Trek uniforms. I'm in favor of that. I'm a big Star Trek guy. Uh, oh, dude. People, this has been a great interview. Stuff. I got to let you go, man. Sorry. No Star <laughs> Trek. I don't break the cycle, man. I'm just not. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm a, I'm a Star Wars guy. Who, the man who invented warp drive in Star Trek, when they travel back and find him, he's in the post-apocalyptic after World War III. And he's just a drunk capitalist. And he's like, I'm trying to build the best engine. Like, it's almost like friggin' Ayn Rand stuff. Sure. Uh, he's trying to build the best engine. He builds it. And that gets, you know, the, the attention of aliens who come down. They're like, you're not alone. And then we get world peace. But a lot of people are like, oh, I want the Star Trek future. Like, we'll all be socialist together. And we'll just have, you know, unlimited consumption. But they forget what happens in 2025. In 2020, oh, no, 2026 in Star Trek, which is World War Three, which is, you know, most of the the planet being blown up. True. So I want, you know, I, I like Star Trek. It's my favorite show, but I do not want Star Trek future because it involves everyone dying. Uh, and then in 400 years, we can fly around space. I'd take and, Star Trek. I'd start, I'd take a Star Wars future. That'd be fun. I'm all right with it. I mean, you know, Star Wars is so much more of an allegory. It's just about the struggle. Like they're I'm always talk- having, I'm talking about the rebellion, man. Yeah, that's so what I want right always, now. There's always a rebellion. And like, I guess that's true. Uh, but you know, like in the prequels, which uh, I I cannot watch the edited versions of those movies. Oh, I can't um, either. I can't do it. I, I I have the VHSs at my dad's house. I can't watch those. I had to find like the the torrent to get the remastered, unedited version. Uh, there's no other way to watch it. it right. And all the new ones are so painful. I actually never saw the last one. And I consider myself, if you can't tell, a nerd. Um, so I should have seen every Star Wars movie there is, but I have not seen the new one. I haven't watched even The Mandalorian, anything like that. Uh, I'm not giving Disney any more of my money. I'm not watching any Marvel movies. I'm not watching any Star Wars movies. If Star Trek gets bought up, I'll buy the DVDs used, and that will be it. Oh, man. I really I try not to, but obviously Disney's a big part of our family, and the kids love Disney. And So, you know, I, I try to I, – look. Easy for me to say. I've made them stop watching Nickelodeon. I'll tell you that much. Uh, but that's because I was uh, one night I, I noticed they were watching Nickelodeon on, on Pluto TV or whatever. Mm-hmm. And every single commercial break was a BLM, like anti-fascist. You must go out and protest children. We need you to make everything equal commercial every single commercial break. And I'm like, they are literally trying to radicalize my children in front of me on my television right now. It's not going to happen. Let's say you believe in all that, like that, that, let's say that's your political ideology and that's all the ads on TV. I would find that a little weird. Yeah. (laughs) I I still don't want that. My political ideology. If every ad on Nickelodeon agreed with me, that would be very strange to me. And I, I keep watching all these people talking about squid games. 
I'm like, you haven't canceled your Netflix yet? Like, what, what are you? What oh, are you dude, doing? I couldn't. I couldn't do it either. I tried. I've tried. Uh, but I'm. 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 You know, I'm pleasantly surprised with how they've defended Dave uh, Chappelle. So you know, I'm not too mm-hmm. mad. It could be I worse. Just, I, I couldn't watch it because they kept having ads for their horrible. Uh, like the horrible shows that they make that just have the like the ugly animation that would just like pop up at you whenever you pause the the show for too oh, long. Yeah, and then I found out that this is going to lose me some credit. Uh, but then I found out that all the Star Treks are also on Amazon Prime, so they became Prime members. So that's just as big of an evil empire, if not much bigger and more evil. But uh, bro, I got yeah, seven I kids. I canceled my Netflix. Listen, I have seven <laughs> kids and no cable. We have. Uh, Peacock TV, we got uh, Amazon Prime, we got uh, Netflix, we got Hulu, we got it all, man. All of it. Well, especially because I, I try, I watch sports, you know what I mean? But we have no cable. And you can watch certain sporting events on Hulu, certain sporting events on, on Peacock. Like I could watch, you know, the, the Sunday night football games on, on Peacock. So it's like, you know, if I move them around, I can watch most of my teams when I want. Or I can, you know, just go to the Reddit streams and watch them for free anyways. But then I got to do it on my phone and then cast it to the TV. It's easier to just click on something. And, you know, the kids like to watch all the little the children's stuff, man. I, I when when it comes to to raising children, I cannot speak. I, I cannot be like, oh, like what are you? I went to visit a friend the other day. We flew down to Texas to visit one of my friends, and no one was wearing a mask. It was very strange. Um, yeah, welcome to my life. His kids were watching TV, and I remember he was one of those people like, oh, I'm never gonna like show my kids TV. But like, he also had like two dogs running around and two kids running around, and like, you know, his wife doing that. And I was like, okay, yeah. Watching TV, dude, it, it makes sense, man. The TV, you know, bring this up at all. Well, and I, you know, I was raised on television and movies. I mean, my mom was a single mom who worked three jobs to raise two kids, uh, and uh, so we watched a lot of movies and TV. I mean, we really did, and and you know, I I wouldn't trade that shit for the world, man, because it really, you know, not only did it give me an awesome imagination, you know what I mean, but I I have a lot to talk about with pop culture references always, my whole life. Uh, That's good, you know, which is is important, but it's also. Dude, I'm telling you, movies and stuff taught me a lot about who I wanted to be. Uh, as you know. long as they're as long as they're teaching something worthwhile. I, I was actually realizing earlier today that my two favorite Disney movies, I have two obscure ones, are actually both about getting people's children back to them, uh, which is what I do for a living now. Sure. So it's the great the great mouse detective and the rescuers down under. Those are both great I'm movies, like, by the way. Really they're, good. They're my two favorite. And they're both about like getting a kid back to his parents. And I was like, that must have sank in really early. Uh, I never quite realized that. So yeah, I get, I can say I definitely learned from movies too, but I don't. Peter Pan was my favorite. So that makes sense too. <laughs> I'm just saying, I never wanted to grow up. You know what I mean? Uh, but you know, the kids, they enjoy I'm only, for the record, I'm wearing a suit because you, you chose the image of me. That was me wearing a suit to the, the car, the top lobster cartoon of, and I was like, okay, I guess I'll, uh, yeah, I think I'll he took. I think he took that. the picture directly from your uh, from your uh, campaign site. I wish it, he would have done some with cats because I know you got you got the thing with cats. It. That was uh, the the quote. I was like, oh, if, if if I wasn't wearing this, I'd have my cat stacked on my chest. But you know, I did. <laughs> he chose the other one. Uh, no, but yeah, no, that's my actually my secret weapon is the cats because I didn't realize until lockdown that there's an entire network of like you know middle aged people pretty much who like are just about to retire. Who walk around their neighborhoods all across the city feeding stray cats? Oh yeah, monitoring them to make sure their ears are clipped. And if they're not, they catch them, they trap them, they neuter them, and they return them. And so you you keep the cat population down by having them all fixed so they don't reproduce. Um, Bro, New York's such a shithole, dude. I love you to death, man. But (laughs) we we had we have like eight feral cats in our backyard. Oh my god, 
we have now captured all of them, fixed them all. Two of them are in the room with me right now. Uh, two others are adopted out to other you know, nice families. And the other ones, they were too old to, to tame. So they're outside living their lives. We feed them every day. We have a little camera out there watching them. Uh, but what really inspired me over this break when we, when we caught these cats and we're, and we're doing all this is that like, it was like nine o'clock at night. And I'm like, what do we do with this cat? Like we just caught this cat. I'm not, I don't, I've never had a cat before. What the hell do I do with this wild cat? <laughs> I had to look up a story, a cat rescue. And I called the number at like nine 30 at night. And they're like, yeah, what? I was like, Oh, like, what do I do? And they're like, Oh, you do this. this, this. And like, they have, they're like, do you need me to come over there? I was like, no. Jeez. Okay. And like everyone just will, will, will swarm around. There, there are so many cat rescue volunteers and they walk around the neighborhoods and they know all their neighbors, right? They, they knock on doors and they say, there's a cat colony in your backyard. Can we go back there and set up a trap and blah, blah, blah. They're going to be my foot soldiers. That, that's my goal. Uh, so I have these two cats. I'm stuck in the apartment with them all day, every day. Uh, so I figured I may as well use them to my advantage. Uh, plus, I mean, look, the government had no hand in me doing this public service for my neighborhood and sure. what all these nice people are doing for their, their neighborhood. The government actually blocks you from doing it. They make it very difficult to do. There's a lot of restrictions on who can perform the operations and in what environment, blah, 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 how you can transport them. They actually restrict you from, from trying to help these animals. Um, it, so I, I see it as like a libertarian allegory. You know, I, this is how it all could be. We could just all be coming together voluntarily and doing good things rather than just blindly paying our taxes and trusting the people that we give all our money to, to help us out. Sure. Yeah, absolutely, man. I agree. And so that's, you know, you talk about foot soldiers and this, it really, we're getting to the end of this thing, but this is, this is something that's very, very important to me. And, and I, you know, somebody, as somebody who works, has worked inside of a political party for years now, um, and somebody who's worked on two campaigns, both Ron Paul's campaigns, really worked on his campaign in 2008. In fact, he endorsed me last year for chairman of the, of the national party, which is still, yeah, dude, I mean, still to this day, I'm like, what the fuck did I, how did I, yeah, what did I, (laughs) yeah, where, how could I ever top that? Like kids, we, I don't know what we're going to do, but we're never going to top what just happened to dad, you know, but, um, so, so. To me, campaigning is very important. I mean, if you're going to run for office, you need to fucking campaign. I mean, it's very important. I'm not a paper candidate supporter. I don't like paper candidates. I think it's a waste. I think it makes us look bad. You're running against somebody who literally wore holes in her shoes, bro, uh, beating the street. I mean, going door to door to door to door. I mean, if you believe that, that's you know that's what she did. She went from the bar to the to, to the Capitol, right? And, uh, and she did yeah, well, hey man, we all we all were, bro. Listen, that one time in college, no, I actually bartended for like ten years uh, and did a lot of really we're at least people on paper. And then I also became a public defender. Sure, um, I did a, I did a lot of really cool things uh, in my in my my service industry days. In fact, I was a, a, a fine dining uh, restaurant manager and made a lot of really good money. But it's a it's a shitty right, okay. city industry. It's a shitty industry. After a while, I get really tired of it. But are you, I mean, what are your plans for this campaign, man? I mean, what are you going to do? How are you going to, how are you going to outwork uh, AOC in, in campaigning? Well, look, she's not here now. Uh, she's not in the district. And from the people that I've spoken to on the street, which I have been doing a, a fair amount of, people notice that. Uh, like when, when her own like big supporters did the, the March for Medicare for All, uh, they all marched to her office in the Bronx and they closed the office for the day. Yeah, like she was probably hiding under the table, scared of her yeah, life, they, scared for her life or something. They closed the office. She went to some fundraiser, and and that was it. And all these like people who had been beating the streets for her, you know, just four years ago or three and a half years ago, were like, "What are you doing? Like, th- this is what you were supposed to fight for." Um, 
there's a lot of people who are disaffected over that, and, and I'm hoping to bring at least some of them uh, over early uh, to start you know, hitting the street. I mean, I've been out there. I've been talking to a lot of people. Uh, I've been working a lot with the Green Party. I was working with uh, a gentleman, uh, Edwin de Jesus, who was running for uh, City Council 22 here in, in my district. And he, he did better than all the Libertarian candidates running for, sure. for City Council this year. And we had a bunch. Uh, he's 24. He's a young guy. He's definitely going to run again. Uh, and we plan to continue, you know, if, if you know, I run again or, or, you know, he at this point, he says that he would endorse me. And if he runs for something next year, I would definitely endorse him. Um, I, I know that he he cares about the many of the same issues that I do and that he is not full of shit because uh, he's running as a third party, not uh, the Democrat or a Republican. That's actually what his he, he gives out face masks that just say not a Democrat, not a Republican, a New Yorker doesn't even have his name on it. <laughs> uh, that was his campaign. Uh, that's not very uh, helpful though Jonathan you know uh, right? yeah he later put out ones with his name on it but I actually like the uh the the make of the ones without the name so I kept wearing that and then it kind of applies to my campaign too um but look I what you said is, is true I I have to be out there I, I I'm not doing this to embarrass myself uh, all of my co-workers have found out about this obviously I can't talk about it at work all the judges I appear in front of have found out about this and and you know just as a matter of pride uh, I would like to do well. And in order to do well, it's what you said, you have to hit the pavement. You have to be out there. Uh, the first hurdle is getting on the ballot because we got screwed over by Cuomo when he yeah. changed the requirements in the middle of a lockdown. Uh, so please go to How2022, donate and fill out the volunteer form. But the other thing, I have been really impressed. And I, I'm going to give, I assume, Larry credit for a lot of this, Larry Sharp credit for a lot of this, is that when I reached out to the local Queens party, I got a lot more support than I expected. Sure. Um, I, I, I called, I think it was the vice chair, Eric Cordova. He immediately is like, here's who I can tell you to call. Here's who you should reach out to. Really cool guy. Uh, and then someone that I know that you've uh, traded barbs with on Twitter, uh, Brianna Coyle, she like messaged me. She's like, when am I going to build your website? Uh, and I was like, how about, I was like, oh, I'm glad she's okay. helping you, bro. But don't. Uh, she, and look, she and I acknowledge we disagree on a lot, true. but she's, she, you always say like, we got to be out there doing the work. Yeah, I, I didn't know anything about her before all this started, but I'm, I mean, I'm so grateful. And I'm like, she humbled. works. She works. works. Brianna does work. I'll, she, I'll she say that. She made the entire sure. website for me for free. She, yeah. And then she gave me like a checklist. She's, she's like, have you remembered to do this? Do you know how to use Instagram? I was like, no, actually, I don't know how to use Instagram. She, she's been incredibly helpful. And, and she's I, not the only one. There's lots of people from the LP Queens party who just. I should probably clarify play. that I actually, I actually don't hate Brianna. And, and I used to, I used to, I used to be really jovial with her and, and actually I, I, I appreciated her, respect her. Uh, it was just, it wasn't until I saw her talking shit about me that I, I was like, you know what, fuck this. Uh, but, but I actually, I actually really liked her, and I know she's like a lefty and stuff like that. You know what I mean? But, uh, you know, that bothers me a lot less than are you against the COVID lockdowns? You know what I mean? Like that's, and, and, and I was saying that. COVID lockdown, yeah, so I, I was that, saying that today. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I am way less concerned with your ideology than I am with, are you w willing to fight the tyranny of our time? Uh, you know, I don't care. I, and I've said it on the show. I'll say it. I'll say it publicly. I don't care. I don't care if you're a racist, if you're willing to fight tyranny, I don't care. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like I, I, you, you I gotta, you gotta watch the fish hook because people are going to take advantage of that. I am just less take advantage concerned. of our fear of COVID. They're yeah. going to take advantage of our fear of this. And this is what you see with like QAnon people who are really afraid of the deep state and which you should be 
uh, like you should really be afraid of like our intelligence agencies and the military industrial complex. The cathedral, bro. doesn't mean that, uh, you know, what's his name? The Kennedy is coming back to life or anything like that. Uh, And I'm not trying to like bullshit all those people or to say that they're stupid or they're dumb, but they were afraid they were given a narrative and they followed it. And like, that's how people act. And we have to come to them from that position. We have to understand these people are afraid. Well, not we, me. Uh, as you clarify, yeah, I don't care. I don't I care. Have, I way past care. I have, to, I have to come. You know, it's just like I meet my clients where they are. You know, a lot of my clients are just had the worst thing that's ever happened to them in their entire life. They just had someone knock at the door, come in, and take their kid away. Right. And people have been sharing this video from Australia of the lady on the ground, like, "Don't take my baby. He's nursing right now." I've seen that happen in court multiple times. Oh uh, yeah, it, it's extremely disturbing. I'd be it, dead. It's extremely disturbing. I'd and be all the way dead. So, There's so no we, we, yeah, yeah. So we have to watch out for people who are willing to fight the one issue, like, oh, we'll fight the COVID, but we want to take your kids. Right. Like, so it, that's my one fear is that there's going to be some you know, figure who stands up and says, I am the anti-COVID guy. And then that guy ends up invading Iran. Well, yeah, so so, so this is that. this is a good time to talk about what has been my winning uh, uh, formula for several years is I'll work with anybody that's a working in good faith. And B, is trying to roll back the state in any area without trying to add more states somewhere else. That's always kind of been my formula. Um, I don't care what your ideology is. I don't care what color you are, what your your views on race are. Like, If you're not trying to use the government to oppress other people uh, and you're also trying to roll back certain parts of the government, I'm all for it, man. I'm all for it. You know what I mean? Well, do what well, you got to do. Right there. And I found a lot of that with the, the green party people that I volunteered with. They would at first be like, oh, libertarian? Uh, not sure about that. But I'd be like, no, listen, I want to break up, cor- not break up corporations. I want to destroy the entire corporate structure. Let them be businesses, but let them be held accountable. And they're like, huh. You know, I don't think they're all going to be registered libertarians next True. year. But I think there's a good chance that some of them are going to come out and help me get signatures to get on the ballot. I think there's a good chance that a number of them will vote for me. And there are people who are known in their community as volunteers or people who are known as you know, passionate about the environment. And the moment I get people saying like, hey, I'm an environmentalist and this libertarian guy is OK. Maybe that spreads and you know, maybe it doesn't just spread from my campaign. You know, Larry Sharp talks about the environment a lot sure. more than a lot of libertarians. And we're going to be in the same election. I, I, I'm pretty sure he's actually in my district and I'm going to get to vote for him. Yeah, I think I, he's I, I want to say he's in vote. the Bronx. I think he's he's right in the Bronx somewhere. I, I think he's in the Queen in Queens. Is he actually. in Queens? It could be Queens. Florida, I, mean, I don't know exactly where, but I, you know, I, I hope to earn his vote. Uh, oh, I'm <laughs> sure you'll get it, buddy. And, 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 you know, look, Larry is the king of speaking to people where they are. I mean, he's really, when it comes to libertarians in New York, he's the king. I mean, he really is. He, the guy knows how to speak to the people in New York better than any libertarian I've ever met. So if you can learn anything from Larry do, in fact, he's one of the people that got me to stop, uh, when I, when I talked to leftists or, or progressives or, you know, these anti-capitalist people, I've stopped saying free markets to them. Like I don't say yeah. free market anymore. He he said, you know, use consumer driven market. It's something that they empathize with. They it doesn't yeah. shut down the conversation. He's the reason I do that because and he's don't say capitalism. Yeah. <laughs> do I not know. say capitalism. <laughs> that that that's the way that you get uh, kicked out the show or, or cut out of the conversation. Yeah. So so we're right at the end of this thing. Uh, before we get into it, because I'm gonna I want you to give me an elevator pitch on why people should uh, vote for you in New York. But first, uh, you you work in family law, man. Okay, this is this is an issue that is near and dear to my heart. Obviously, I've been yeah. on both sides of that uh, terrible, terrible institution. I think it's one of the one of the worst institutions in the world uh, or in the country. Um, 
on top of that, uh, we're now seeing these whole state governments and many in the federal government push for essentially ownership of our children. Uh, and, and at the end of the day, the way that can be accomplished is always going to be through the family law courts. I mean, that's really, that's really how they get it done. Um, I mean, as, as you know, somebody who works in that area, is there changes you'd like to see to that system? Uh, you know, if, if, if there was anything you could do from a federal level, but let's just say, you know, the thing I could do, uh, it would be a constitutional right. Uh, you don't have a constitutional right to your children and you don't have a constitutional right to, to any choices over them. I mean, I don't believe that rights come from the constitution. I believe that, rights, that this, this personal, this current government says that they will uphold these certain rights that we already have. Now they don't, right. um, but that, that, that's the contract. I mean, you know, I've, I've read Spooner. Um, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm there on that. Based. Uh, but, but if we're going to say that we are a constitutional democracy, then we should have a constitutional right to things that we all agree that we actually have a right to. And one of them is the right to raise your children. Um, we, we need that. And, and then I also think we need to expand and very much clarify that all your other rights uh, apply in family court and they apply at family law. Uh, like I, I think I mentioned this earlier, you do not have a right not to testify in a family court trial. If you don't testify, it will be held against you. I've had cases where that happens, where my client either doesn't want to testify, feels unable to, or is just missing. Uh, and they don't testify. And the first line of the judge's decision against them is always going to be, I take the strongest possible inference against them because of their refusal to testify. Sure. Uh, and, you know, it, we have that in criminal law for a good reason. And I feel like that yeah. reason is the same in, in, in family court. Now, I can draw a line between, like, the emergency hearing you have at the moment you remove a child and, you know, the trial you eventually have as to whether they, uh, you know, committed abuse or neglect. I can see there being a different standard there because uh, it's a different question. You know, people shouldn't be allowed to harm children or to, like, actually hurt them. Uh, they have rights as well. Uh, but when it comes to finding out, did you actually do this in the eyes of the law, you should have the, the same constitutional rights that you have in, in criminal court, uh, basically. And, and you should have an enumerated right to your, to your children and to your family. Unless they're, now, pe unless they're pedophiles, buddy. Sorry, I can't agree. Well, hey, look, I've, uh, I've had cases involving that issue. Uh, you know my intro. You know the intro to my show. I, I know the intro song. Uh, you know, and I'm, I'm a, you know, a Chris Hansen fan and all that stuff. Nice. But, uh, look, I mean, that, that's one of the most difficult issues sure. because at that point you, you, we always make the argument, you know, we have the right to raise our family, but like, you know, we say, but, but not pedophiles. Well, where, where is the line? But what else? Not what, but not spanking. You know, I'm, I don't plan to spank my kids. Right. Uh, but I, I don't think my client should have their children taken away because they spank their kids. Yeah, I'm a I'm a and, I'm a peaceful parent. I don't hit my children at all at, yeah. at all at all. But uh, one time uh, we were having some family problems, and I had to have uh, uh, someone go look for one of my children. And uh, I got in this argument with this person who went to look for my children. In fact, he was a police officer, and uh, and uh, not a fight, but we were kind of arguing back and forth and then uh you know somebody said well he threatened to spank me once and uh and the police officer goes listen if i had to arrest every parent who threatened to spank their child i would have to arrest half of iowa okay it's the, the, no that's not how it works and and i don't think it, you know it should be a crime but i do believe that you know the more peaceful the better for your children and that's kind of where i'm at you know what i mean and, and where i draw the line is is it a crime if you commit a crime against your children that's one thing but 
th this loose definition we have, at least in New York, for abuse and neglect, and I'm pretty sure it's from a federal law that they made all the, the local sure. states uphold. Um, but like, if, if you do something bad in the presence of the children, that counts. Uh, if you allow something bad to happen in the presence of the children, that can be enough to have your, your kids taken away. So you don't actually have to do anything to them. And look, I, I get the motivation for that. Like, I, I don't want children exposed to bad stuff. True. But the alternative is taking them away forcefully, which teaches them that force is okay and it's the way to get what you want. Uh, and B, it puts them in a horrible, unpredictable environment. Like, uh, the, God bless foster parents who are good and treat the children well. Uh, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Yeah, that's another system that's just horrible, man. And, and, and really, that's the reason why we took the, the two in that we took in was because, you know, they're, they're blood siblings to my daughter. And, mm -hmm. uh, and we realized that if we didn't take them, uh, they were going to go to foster care and we didn't want that to happen to my blood, the blood siblings of my daughter, because she had been with I them, you know, for, for 10 years and, and, uh, or nine years and, and six years at that, at that point. And it was like, it would be detrimental to those kids. It would be detrimental to my daughter. And it's like, you know, if we have the resources to get it done and let's try it. And it's really worked out really well for them. And I think they've, you know, they've got, they're very happy. So. Uh, which okay, they I, I can't even imagine what that takes. Like yeah. I, I, I don't have any children. I'm planning to, uh, you know, in the relatively near future. I just got married in May. Sure, congrats, um, man. Uh, I'm getting married next uh, May. Really? Yeah. Uh, what day? Oh, uh, we don't we don't have a date set for sure. If but you we... do the twentieth, apparently in Chinese, five two zero means I love you, or like sounds like it, or looks like it. So we nice. did that. Uh, so if you know. Anyone you know speaks Chinese, you can impress them with that. Yeah, we're, we're gonna we're gonna do. Uh, we've decided we're doing it in Colorado. Uh, the wedding will be in Colorado, so I'll send you. I'll send you all out invites, guys. You can all show up. I can't uh, wait. Yeah, it's, it's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. We're I'll have nothing to do next May uh, as I'm gathering signatures to get on. The yeah, right. Exactly. Well, it's funny because we we did uh, we I we got engaged um, uh, back in March into March, and uh, I finally just got her ring sized. Uh, so that she can wear it yeah. and actually could pick it up tomorrow. Uh, so it's been a few months, uh, you know, and I've probably been slacking on some things. And so we finally decided we would start planning it out because we didn't really have any wedding plan or anything. And it's it's hard when you got seven kids, you know what I mean? To yeah, like just you're to slack on a few things when you have uh, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, uh, your lives in your home. Yeah, and it was always my dream. I was like, hey, I really want to get married in Lake Tahoe. It's like my favorite place on the earth. It's beautiful. Uh, and then I just remembered that I no longer live three and a half hours away from Lake Tahoe like I did my the majority of my life. And uh, now I, I live in the middle of the country, and we're all going to have to fly. We're going to have to have our kids fly out there. We're going to have to bring all kinds of things. Oh, and just, just drive, man. I, I, I love doing cross-country drives. I did a cross-country drive with my sister before the eclipse a few years ago. And we drove through Lake Tahoe. We went from Denver, Denver out to the coast and then up and over and to, to uh, Wyoming. When we were in Tahoe, uh, we were parked there. And I had apparently left the wrapper of a peanut butter M&M bag, like just an empty peanut butter M&M bag in the car. We come out of the Airbnb in the morning and a bear had broken oh, into yeah. the car, smashed everything apart, ripped apart the M&M wrapper. It was just in shreds. And like so was the rest of the car. <laughs> and I was like, oh. I called the rental company. I'm like, a bear. And like, you could see the paw prints and everything on the side. I was like, yeah, a bear broke into our car. What do I do? And they're like, okay, call. like, prank call. Yeah. Like, I had to call. Call your time. insurance company, buddy. Good luck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah the, the, the Enterprise rental car. Great job. They actually just replaced the car. They're like, drive to Truckee, turn it in at the rental car place there, and you can just keep on going. Yeah. And cool. we did. And we didn't miss a day of the trip. 
Yeah, it's pretty crazy, man. I yeah. Well, we you know Colorado. I'm calling Colorado the poor man's Lake Tahoe. Essentially, is what we're gonna do there. And uh, my my fiance has a sister that lives there, and she's a professional photographer, and uh, so it just kind of really works out. We can still have that beautiful wedding. Uh, it just won't be in Lake Tahoe, and um, and we could drive there. You know, it's four you four. The, you need the infrastructure, right? You need the people that you know. You need right. the the photographer to be local. You don't want to fly the photographer out, then you got to pay for the hotel. And yeah, it was we didn't we didn't want to we really wanted to have this dream wedding. You know, we've kind of put together this big family, and we were excited about it. But you know, we can we can still do a beautiful wedding for much cheaper in in, in you, Colorado. You can, and uh, I know Larry Sharp. I, I I don't know if he always, but I I saw him give the speech about how he got married in Vegas, you know, like yeah. with no one there. And I was like, damn, he's the only person. And then he like, he, he said on stage, he's like, and it only costs this amount of money. And I looked at my wife and we had just been married. I was like, we were under half of that. Like yeah. we, we, did, we did great. We just got married at uh, uh, the botanical garden in Queens. And we just, we just had 12 people there. It was just like our immediate family. And then the next day, New York was like, now you can have bigger gatherings. <laughs> great. So we, we, had, we had made a point to like, keep it, like right within the rules we didn't want the garden to get in trouble or the restaurant to get in trouble so we we kept it within the rules and then the next day they're like oh now you, you if you gotten married on the 22nd you could have had all your friends and family there instead of just 10 of them but okay we got married it was good <laughs> well congrats man i'm looking i'm looking forward to it i i uh you know i got married once uh back in about 2003 and uh haven't had a single inkling to get married since and and so this will be my my second uh marriage but my first wedding happened uh in front of two people at a universalist church and we had our uh we, we had our, our uh, reception at the Olive Garden with the same four people. Uh, and uh, I got married yeah, in Gray Dickies. It. it was really, it was, you know, it was kind of ridiculous. One of those when shotgun you, weddings. When you get the inkling a second time, I think that's when you know it's real. Right? Yeah. Because you, you already know the downsides. And now you're just like, you're yeah, I knew, I knew what I went through the first time. And I was really not going to go through that again unless I absolutely had to. And uh, I got to a point where it's like, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd put up with that drama for this. Yeah, <laughs> you know that's essentially that's, that's essentially what you're saying. You're like you're like okay, well, I'll put up with all that bullshit again if I have to, if it means that I have the chance to be with you for the rest of my life. I guess you know. Yeah, and 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 I hope your wife watches this. That, that's very beautiful the way she, you put it. She does. She <laughs> she watches she watches all the time. Uh, man, okay, so we're at the end of this thing, brother. I appreciate you. I love you to death. Give me your elevator pitch. Why should people vote for Jonathan Howe for uh, District 14 in New York? People should vote for me because the the government at every level conspired together to lock us all in our homes and put out all our local businesses out of business. Uh, and I believe that a focus on individual liberty can bring about peace, justice, and a clean planet. That's nice. it. I like you it, vote dude. for the broccoli, you're part of the problem. Simple, concise. Uh, you got a clear message, man. I really appreciate you. I'm a big fan. Where can people go to help you, support you, all that great stuff? You can go to how2022.com. That's the most important one because you can donate there. Uh, but if you want my my insights on day to day stuff, it's at Jonathan C. Howe on Twitter. That's where I kind of put my my live thoughts. And then if you want to follow me on Facebook, I think if you just search my name in the year 2022, it will come up. Uh, I don't use that quite as much. Um, but yeah, how 2022.com. Uh, yeah. And and I, I really appreciate you having me on. I love watching your show. As you know, uh, you've seen me in the comments more than once. Uh and honestly, when I, when I was mulling this all around, like when I was finally making the decision, I was just like, let me watch a Larry Sharp video. And I searched Larry Sharp video. That's the first time I ever saw your face. And it was you interviewing him like, what, seven or eight months ago. And I oh, was, yeah, it was a while back. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely. Like, yeah, like, yeah I, I like the energy that this has. Like, I'm, yeah, I can do this. I'm going to do this. And I started telling everybody, and here, here I am. 
Well, God bless you, sir. I really appreciate it. I look forward to your campaign. Uh, later on down the line, we'll definitely have another conversation about it when we get closer to the uh, to to the actual uh, election date, man. Th thank you. Don't make me beg. <laughs> oh, I won't. I won't, brother. Hey, you didn't beg me this time. You came to me. You're like, look, dude. Uh, I'm running for office. I got to start telling people that they have to have me on my on their show. I, I hate to listen. I hate to invite myself, but I'm inviting my. I was like, dude, just shut up. You can come on. You know, this is what politicians do. They say, let me come on your show. Except yeah. I'm not going to give you anything in return. <laughs> yeah, like, hey man, I, yeah. I've seen you drop a couple super chats here and there, bro. I'm not. I'm not ever going to forget that. Okay. Uh, well, you're it, I'm it's taking the, the political. Fa I'm taking the political favors. All right. I yeah. I, I've, I'm learning quickly. All right, man. Well, hey, I appreciate you, man. I, I look forward to your campaign and uh, let us know how it goes. Thank you. I appreciate it. You have a good night. You too, brother. All right, guys. Another awesome episode of Break Cycle. Jonathan's so cool. Please go follow him. Support him. Uh, let's let's get uh, at least some kind of liberty win in New York, man. I mean, that's that'd be a, listen. That'd be a really cool first. Uh, could you imagine our first federal election ever won in New York? Could you imagine that being the place against AOC? And here's the thing. I want to make this extremely clear. Uh, if you live in that part of New York or in New York and you have the opportunity to vote, the Republicans are not going to get it done. We know that's not going to happen in that area. There's no way it, it would be ridiculous. Uh, and there's Republicans there, uh, but but you have this guy who's messaging to to both sides um, a clear, concise message that uh, that really um, can resonate with both sides of the aisle there, uh, and he's doing it in a very liberty-based way. Um, we have an opportunity to help somebody like that get some mainstream attention in New York and kind of change some hearts and minds. So go help them out if you can. It don't matter if you're Republican, Democrat, Green Party, Libertarian. It don't matter. Go help them out. Support them. Uh, do what you can, man, because uh, we need we need more people like that. Um, also, go check out my sponsors. Of course, I have TopLobster.com, the man, the myth, the legend, my good friend and partner on Break Cycle, where you can get this great bright purple Epstein didn't kill himself hoodie that I'm wearing tonight. By using BTC at checkout for a 10% discount. Or you can join the uh, Patreon subscribe star. Become a member of the YouTube channel under all of my videos by hitting the join link. Where you can get into the private Discord server with really just some of the coolest people in the movement, man. I really, I, I love that community. Uh, I've been kind of checked out of the Discord. I, I check in when I can. Um, but only because I've been having family issues and, and sickness and the, the Disney trip and stuff. So I look forward to getting more involved again. Uh, but go check them out. They're great people. And, and you get in there and you get uh, you get all the top lobster gear up to two weeks early before it comes out to the general public at like a 30% discount. Really good stuff, man. I promise you, you'll enjoy it. And of course, executive producers of the show, AnthemPlanning.com. For all your emergency and crisis planning needs, check them out today. See what they can do for your business, home, or personal life. They're doing a wonderful job that the government has historically sucked at much cheaper and much more efficiently. Seriously, if you own a business, go check them out. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? It's way cooler than sheath underwear. I promise. I promise. Um, guys, tomorrow on the show, I'm stoked. I am absolutely stoked. Uh, I'm going to have my good friend Buck Johnson, my good friend Pete Quinones, and my new friend Andrew from Popular Liberty all on the show at the same time. To talk about, uh, I, I guess they don't like to be called post-libertarians. That's not something that they enjoy being called. Uh, so we're not gonna we're not gonna call them that. I I don't know. I forget the name that they're looking for. But uh, we're gonna talk about all the stuff that's been going on in the movement, uh, and uh, and uh, you know probably mull over some of their policy proposals. I know Buck's gonna be running for office in Texas. That's pretty exciting. So it's gonna be a lot of fun. You guys are not gonna want to miss that show. I will see you guys then. Uh, but until then, don't forget to break the cycle. Dude,
lyrics have to explain The lyrics of my last song may seem to contain A violent call to action in the verse and refrain But I just spammed it in Minecraft The helicopter part was in reference to GTA 5 and the things you do So any violence you commit, I am not an excuse Because I just spammed it in Minecraft But Chipper is my friend and he's constantly cold Accusations of incitement getting totally old Make your own choices, yeah, you have control Because I just landed in Minecraft Obviously I would never advocate force Unless it's due process and a trial, of course And if you're convicted, we will make you a course In Minecraft, just in Minecraft You're nothing I mean, you know it No product in this kitchen close to COVID Holy shit, I think I'm a poet In Minecraft, in Minecraft 